First off, thanks for inviting us down to have a look at the game. Looks fantastic. Yeah, um, really enjoying it. Um, just wanted to ask to start off, are you guys big fans of the genre? Alien? Well, <laughs> um, yeah, I think we were trying to work out yesterday how many times we've seen the film. Yeah, because <laughs> we've got it on loop <laughs> yeah. in the studio, on the studio floor. So yeah, huge, absolutely huge fans. Yeah, yeah. massive. It's um, like lots of us kind of came to this team to work on this game because we're yeah. such fans of the first film. So it's like to see like people being a part of making the game we always wanted to play. It's just been it's just been incredible. It's absolutely amazing. I think it's a good part of the franchise as well. Yeah. I remember watching this when I was a kid. Yeah. I shouldn't have been, but <laughs> yeah. I remember watching Alien and Aliens when I was maybe nine or ten. <gasps> Too young. I think I should speak to my dad about that. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, you know, I'd just been a huge... I used to watch Aliens every week. You know, you'd watch it all the time. And then to now be part of that and be putting out the next instalment, it's just... Incredible. I mean, yeah. I mean this, this game absolutely came from us. You know, it's not like someone came to us and said, make, make an alien game. Um, <laughs> you know, it was, it was, you know, I'd been a big fan of the first film and felt like there was an amazing potential video game experience there because games in the past had really focused on the James Cameron kind of aliens experience, you know, Marines and Pulse Rifles. Mm. And it felt like, what if you, what if you went in that direction, went back to that, you know, Ridley Scott original and what would it be like to just confront that one alien, you know, that could be utterly amazing and terrifying and, and you know, that was, I guess, the starting point, you know, what, what would it be like to experience that and encounter it and, and try and survive against it? So, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think to a man, we're, we're big fans of that first <laughs> film. When you started with the concept for Alien Isolation, did you always know you were going to go with Amanda Ripley? Because obviously another strong yeah. female lead like the films. Well, we always knew we wanted a we always knew we wanted a, a strong female lead in it, and from some of the early demo builds, I, mean, I always laugh because the one of the first kind of vertical slices or parts of the game we made had a female crash test dummy in it. So it was always like we just accepted that was what we were going to do with it, and we knew we wanted to set the game very closely to the first film in the timeline of the universe, because we wanted you know the, a single alien to be a massive big deal and you know, one alien to be the most terrifying thing. So that led us to this period of time, like shortly after the film. Like, okay, well, and the question we asked was, what, who would be looking for the Stromo? Because like, it would be like the Titanic or something, you know, it's a big space disaster, and the people and the families have been looking, and then that took us to the families who were like, and here's this character, Amanda Ripley, that no one ever had told her the story. And I kind of put together a pitch, and I'm like, that could be great, and oh my God, and she'd be looking for a mom, and what if she was in the same situation, and all these questions, and then that kind of got pitched to Fox and Sega, and we're like, yeah. And they, they, they'd probably say no, and then they said yes, and like, oh, oh my god! <laughs> so just really excited to be able to, you know, flesh out that part and tell her story. Nice. I think it was just always a, an assumption for a lot of people that it'd be the strong female lead. You know, I can't imagine the game playing as a. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess so. But at the same time, I think it was just who would care the most, mm. right? Mm. You know, you want you want a character who cares the most. And I guess yeah, if, if I don't know. If Dallas had had a son, maybe we'd have gone with that. I don't know, you know, but yeah. you know, we, we had this character whose story hadn't been told, and it was Ellen Ripley's daughter, for goodness sake. Mm-hmm. You know, she exists in the universe, we're not making her up, she exists. Mm. And she would care about what happened, she'd be trying to find some answers. Um, and so it was kind of, oh my god, we have to do this, you know, we absolutely have to do it. And you know, and she mm. shares the same DNA as her mother, so she now have some of the same qualities, you know, but she's her own character because she's taken her own different, you know, been on a different journey. Mm. And it was just, oh my god, this is. Perfect. And, uh, yeah. I just thought, what if Ellen Ripley had a son? Oh yeah, Bob Ripley. Bobby. Bobby Ripley. 
Obviously, I'm going to be a bit biased for the audio side of things, but I'm always interested to talk to the rest of the team um, about the sound, because obviously sound is an imperative part of this game and the emotions that are felt while playing it. So how do you guys kind of take that into account or consider sound when you're working on a game? Do you take it into consideration while working, or do you kind of collaborate quite well, or does it come together later? it It was a huge part of this game. We had to bear it in mind for the delivery of the mechanics of the alien, because we knew we didn't want anything in the world like you know hologram markers or arrows or anything because at that point it doesn't feel like the feeling of the original film mm-hmm. so we're very restrictive and like you know John went to incredible lengths on the UI side of things to make sure it all felt in world and felt real so part of that was you can't you know have any indicators to the player of what the alien's doing so there's no exclamation mark appearing and there's no like yeah. <laughs> and so all of those sounds had to come from the alien so you know the AI guys and audio and designer had to work together to go right you know, what sort of moods would you be able to detect from the alien? Would you know if he's lost you? Would you know if he's found you? Obviously he's going to roar when he attacks you and that telegraphs to you he's angry. Mm. So then all of a sudden you're working that into the environment. So on top of this layer of atmosphere and ambience and music and also the kind of tone and everything, you've got this mechanical telegraphing of the alien making sounds and that's very, very important for you. And all of a sudden if there's, you know, alarms going and flashing lights and the hissing steam and everything, you can't hear the alien anymore. And then that becomes even harder. So the audio has a huge effect on, on how you play the game. And the other side is, uh, we, we set ourselves this goal of saying that the, we would never wanted the music to be an alien detector. Yeah. So you're sitting in a cover and you hear it go, da 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 you know, oh, the alien's coming. Mm. So we did this, we've kind of got all these delicate little balance systems and gauges in the game to kind of work the music around what you're seeing and how the alien's behaving, rather than it just dropping you in it and going, here comes the alien. Da, 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 da. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned about all the sound in the background. That was one of the bits that scared me quite a bit when I was there going, I can't hear anything now because there's all these noises. It's in the <laughs> I can't hear the footsteps. You almost feel like you've lost your sensor at that point, your motion sensor, because you do a lot with sound and you don't realise mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. it goes away. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. How involved did you guys get with kind of searching into the, the history of the film? So you say you're big fans. Did did you replicate a lot of the techniques in this game that were used in the film and try and emulate it as much as possible? Because it 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 definitely comes across like it Mm. it was. Yeah, so I think, you know, I suppose there was a a few different angles we took and approaches we took to that, which was, you know, one's trying to find archive material, which was kind of like gold dust, because, you know, it's a long time ago and and way before digital archiving. Mm. And so... um, I was really persistent with the Fox Archive to try and find some original sound uh, material, um, which they did. Uh, well, they, eventually they found a, this, um, uh, one of the things they found was this 8-inch eight track reel. Um, oh, but they said they didn't know what was on it, but did we want to have it transferred? I was like, yes, of course. Of course um, <laughs> uh, but it just, used to, it had, just had uh, Alien written on it and M plus E, um, and yeah, no one knew what it was. Um, and I, and I, I really like to think it was stuck in this cardboard box for 35 years and no, no, one, had, no one touched it. Um, and they transferred it and it was, it was unbelievable. It was the raw recording of the sound engineers um, recording the effects for music. So at the start of the film there's this kind of low moaning sounds. Um, and it was the original recordings of those. You have these amazing um, British sound recording recordists with this, these 
accents you don't hear anymore, mm-hmm. um, shouting out the kind of take numbers, and then you have this amazing. Kind yeah, of you can almost hear the cigarettes. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll try that again. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and so that was just, you know unbelievable, and I really loved the idea that you know it was sitting deep underground because the Fox Archive is under beneath the Fox lot in LA. <laughs> it's um, yeah, three floors below. Um, you know, in the dark. You know, collecting dust, and no one had touched it, and yet. You know, we were able to put it back into the spotlight and, and put it in front of an audience that will really appreciate it. And, and, it, and it makes it, you know, the experience for us just feel a little bit more authentic. And, and that's, quite, that's quite magical, I think. Yeah, I think this one definitely captures the original a yeah. lot more than the other games, like yeah. you say. Well, I think Alien has this really distinctive sound, whether it's mm-hmm. the Jerry Goldsmith score, which I think is a massive part of the fabric of the, the kind of soundscape, or whether it's the, just the world itself, you know, I think visually it looks really distinct, but I think, you know, the sound is really mechanical and tactile and physical, and uh, over its time is a kind of snapshot of seventies, you know, yeah. sort of future there. Um, and and you know we're absolutely keen to try and to to, to again you know we're going to make a really immersive experience and and to take you back to that kind of point in time. Um, and so yeah, we're you know tracking down old uh, sound libraries. And, and things like that, um, and and then and then where we couldn't find it, we were looking to recreate it ourselves. Um, and uh, I know the guys went to some interesting lengths. I think actually with the um, with the musical score, they, uh, one of the tips was um, because some of the um, players in the in the orchestra had actually been on the original sound recording for the score back in nineteen seventy nine. They remembered that one of the sounds was uh, I think a tennis ball being rubbed on the piano strings. Mm. I think oh. I got that right. And, cool. uh, and so they were able to replicate that sound again. So, um, awesome. yeah, it's really, um, I mean, you know, we wanted to kind of sound and feel authentic. And I think, you know, I think, um, you know, the guys have done an amazing job of, of kind of, uh, of bringing that to life. I really liked that the, the kind of early in our concept phase where the artists, the concept artists were kind of sketching out environments and stuff. They were restricting themselves to the same sort of sketch tools like pencils and uh, yeah, highlighter right, pens, excellent. like in you know in Photoshop and stuff yeah. like that. And it, you know, so we're getting these very kind of like Ron Cobb style drawings and very diagrammatical like schematics rather than concept art for a lot of it. No, yeah. really it's cool. just like trying to think the way they would think, produce yeah. content the way they would produce content, that kind of stuff. Just yeah, set you off in the right direction. Yeah, yeah it was great. It was like retro graphics, but in modern. HD mm-hmm. graphics, it's really yeah. hard to explain, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But it was really, really good, you could tell you were trying to get, I mean, it makes me want to go home and watch the film, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's on in the office if you want to go. Just go sit there for a two and a half hours. You guys are sick of it by now. <laughs> that's the thing, each time we see it, you still like spot things and wonder, oh, did we do that? And, oh, that's really cool. And we should, you know, every kind of so frame just cool. looks incredible. And when it's rolling the whole time, you, know, you come out in the kitchen with a cup of tea, you look up and like, Hey, and you kind of spot little bits here and there, and that's like one of my, my favourite and like proud moments is when a programmer was like going back to his death with his coffee. He stood looking at the screen for a couple of seconds, and he said to me, "He's like, is that in the film or our game?" I was like, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> and then someone's worked in it for a couple of years, can't quite distinguish it. I was like, "Oh, that's awesome. great." <laughs> yeah. oh, fantastic. Well, yeah. Again, getting back to the atmosphere of the game, obviously, the Xenomorph is the big scary thing in it but besides that um, I had the feeling that even the ship was trying to kill me basically at some point. <laughs> um, what would you say is the most dangerous aspect besides the xenomorph? Well I think I don't know about dangerous I think I think what what's the thing that kind of puts an enormous amount of 
what creates an enormous amount of tension and pressure on the player is the fact that we kind of really do put the question of how you're going to survive into your hands. You know, we 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 don't really um, feed you too much information. That is really you're relying on your instincts and 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 your senses yourself to to survive. It's the fact that the alien isn't scripted. That it is it is using its senses. You know, of, of, of sight and sound, and and that those other entities are equally using their senses. And so, you know, that that unpredictability puts you in a position of quite, you know, you're very vulnerable. You're having to, moment to moment, make decisions on, on, on the best next step. I mean, literally the next step sometimes, you know, do I, do I stay or do I move? And, you know, we made some really conscious t choices early on that, you know, in many ways, almost every action you have has some kind of risk associated with it or consequence associated with it. You know, even down to the motion tracker where we, you know, we, we decided it wasn't going to be this kind of magical mini-map that was always on screen that gave you all the you know, perfect information, that it was going to be something that you, you actually actively had to, to consciously decide, OK, I want to look at that now, and it would bring it up. But then we take away, you know, we blur the background, so we take away information from you. So you know, while you're looking at that, you can't necessarily see something in the, in the background. You know, we like to toggle between the two. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, you know, nothing's for free. You know, everything mm -hmm. is, there's no magic bullets. You know, you're constantly having to moment to moment go through this checklist of right, what have I got? You know, what's my most immediate threat? What's in the what's my in the local area? What's you know what, what what do I do next? And you know, it's, and that's kind of constant, and that you know, you're putting a huge amount of pressure on yourself to survive. So when you're saying that you know you feel like the the whole station's out to get you, it's not that. It's the fact that and the the film set us up brilliantly for it because. Is that the answer isn't in the environment? Like you know, the environment is not there to help you. There's all mm. these you know hard, rusty edges that you just think you catch your arm on and like shred your clothes, <laughs> and you're not going to open a cupboard and find some big plasma rifle or like a rocket launcher that's going <laughs> to fix it. And the kind of all that went into the game design of like, okay, you know, you're in this situation. You you know, the game is in your hands. So the more you explore, the more things you can find, the more options you have when you're cornered. But the more you explore, the greater chance you're going to meet the alien. So it's that kind of nice risk reward of the kind of the, the environment. I think it's really good. Playing on that actually with the um, you're never quite safe. One thing I noticed, and I, I don't think I've seen it in the game before. I got killed while I was saving. Um, <laughs> so, so, sorry about that. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I wonder who's to blame for that. Actually, <laughs> who made that decision? Yeah, that one. Yeah, I'll take that one. But, uh, <laughs> well, the reason is we've, when we were we played with lots of different types of saving to see what would suit the game the best, and we found that as soon as we made it manual saving. And we made you take a while to save it because you know the technology is old. It, it needs to feel like it. That kind of it would mm. take a while to perform this act. That you know you've been going for a while. You see a save point. You're like, oh wow, a save point. And you know, the idea of seeing something that would normally be a single button press in another game just you know extract this emotion from you that you feel relief when you see it. And then when you go and use it, you're panicked because yeah. you're like, oh god, oh god, come on, come on, come on, stupid thing to do it. And you know, just you know, a really simple act of saving suddenly becomes this massive emotional journey. And it's just like, yeah, that's that's right for this game. It's what it needs to feel like. So you kind of sitting on the other side of a corridor. There's a dark shadow to your left. You can see a save point. You're like, do I run for it? <laughs> do I go and save and see what happens? Yeah. The tension is constant and absolutely fantastic. I've never <laughs> felt so tense playing a horror game. <laughs> so. Jumping back to the audio side of things, how did you come about? First of all, how did you come about deciding the voice actor, uh, actress sorry, for Amanda Ripley? And then at what point in the process did you decide that the original crew were all going to come together again for, for um, this game? So or? I think the voice, voice of Amanda, um, I think we were going for someone who had 
the kind of lots of layers to their voice where um, they could uh, I, think, I think we had some real kind of key kind of features for the, her personality and we needed a voice to kind of match that where she could you, you got the sense that you know because she's, she's you um, yeah. uh, the fact that the fact that she's female is kind of irrelevant you know she needs to have to go through the same emotions that you, you have you know you need to she needs to sound scared and and, and uh, in peril but she also needs to um, you know uh, also help you be uh, you know have, have some kind of courage and to enter you know I think one of the things that we really wanted to try and get across was uh, the one of the values was just like her mother you know that she's prepared to, to, to strive strive and struggle to, to survive you know when confronted with, with the you know this, this kind of overwhelming odds you know and I think when you look at the movie that's why in a way Ellen survives because whereas the rest of the crew you know, in Lambert's case, is you know she's actually physically petrified. She cannot move. You know, under pressure. Mm -hmm. I think Ellen Ripley is able to have this kind of clarity of thought and 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 make decisions under pressure. And I guess that's what exactly what we wanted Amanda to be able to do, because that's what we want the player to be able to do. And uh, and so I think those are the kind of qualities that we were looking for that um, she could help the player on their journey. You know, and guide them. Um, uh, and I suppose in quite a sub, I mean, in more subconscious ways, uh, subtle ways, but. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you know, it was, I mean, we, you know, we love her voice and think that she, she did, you know, uh, she's you know, kind of spot on for, for that role. Um, in terms of the original cast, um, wow, yeah, that was that was um, you know, uh, well, just, just, you know, I think you know, I remember sort of wanting someone to pinch me when we were in the sound recording because it seemed like is this really happening? Yeah. Um, you know, when we start a project like this, you have I think you have lots of ideas and. It wouldn't it be cool if we did this and that? And you know, I think the fact that we were deconstructing the the original film, you know, you're thinking, well, wouldn't it be cool if we we uh, we uh, you know recreated the the Nostromo? Uh, you know, it'd be fantastic to explore that space. And what would it be like if we could confront the alien in that? You know, that'd be amazing. Yeah. And then and then you know, it's the kind of penny drop moment where you go, well, what if we could get the original cast <laughs> to come back and 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 take take it on? And I think it was just the, you know the fact that the guys have done such an amazing job of creating. And, you know the, the the same atmosphere and the same immersion as the film, you know, that kind of really capturing that essence of that first film. That we you know we got to a position where we we're in a, uh, a you know an opportunity to actually go to these guys and say, hey look at what we're doing. You know I think they could really see the care and attention we're putting into the world and in recreating the the thing that they originally created back in the seventies. Um, you know and the fact that we could t talk about the approach we were taking to the game. It was about survival. It wasn't about killing. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I think they they got really excited uh, to to the reprise their these roles. Only know further think from you know, most of them for the first time since they left the the film set at Shepherdson back in nineteen seventy nine. Wow. And of course you know the, the the real kind of dream come true I suppose is is um, Sigourney Weaver agreeing to reprise her role as uh, Ellen you know, yeah. for the first time in video games um, was was astonishing. And I think actually going back to Amanda, I think having Amanda, her fictional daughter, as our main character, actually played a you know, it was all of that other stuff plus plus mm -hmm. Amanda being our main character. I think you know she's, you know, I think Ellen Ripley's a very important character to Sigourney Weaver. Um, but I think the fact that we were we were using her fictional daughter actually you know meant a lot to her as well. So 
yeah, I mean, just um, absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, you know meeting her and, and, you know, really was kind of, is this really, really happening to me? Yeah, it's so. one of those. I wouldn't be cool if, oh, wait, we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, does that mean we're out of yeah, time? So before we wrap up, can I just get you guys to introduce yourself yeah. and your role on the game, just to take form? Yes, yeah, I'm John McKellen, I'm the UI lead. I'm Al Hope, and I'm creative lead. I'm Gary Napper, and I'm the lead game designer. Okay, I've been Sam Hughes from The Sound Architect. And Becky Hurst from Dark Co Productions. Thank you very much, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you. Cheers.